If you have a Bible, go please to 2 Samuel chapter 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 1. Uh, beginning at verse 1, we're going to go down to verse 5. Last week, I shared with you out of the Psalms, Psalm 108. And it was a psalm about, uh, or from the heart of King David, as he was, uh, be, had become the king of Israel, uh, but he had become only the king of part of the nation of Israel, over the tribe of Judah. The other tribes had not recognized his uh, kingdom, they had not recognized his anointing as king. And it would take seven years for uh, that whole uh, nation, the 12 tribes, uh, to come under his authority, under his command. We talked about how even though God had anointed him, that it took time for him to receive the full blessing that God had for him. And we talked about the patience and endurance and prayer of David, but also the fact that he was willing to praise God and to believe God until he saw fulfilled in his life what God had promised. And you saw how he started to call out those places in the land of Israel that belonged to him as his inheritance. And he said, Ephraim is mine, Manasseh is mine, Sukkot is mine. And he starts to claim those things which were not as though they were because he believed God. And he said, God has spoken and I will rejoice. He was confident that what God said God would do. La semana pasada hablamos del Salmo 108, en el cual vemos al rey David que había recibido la corona para reinar sobre el pueblo de Israel, pero no había recibido totalmente todo el pueblo, sino solamente la tribu de Judá. Y tardaría siete años para que él viera totalmente la promesa de Dios. Pero él se confió de esto. Dios ha hablado y yo me regocijaré. Y eso nos da a entender que David le creó a Dios hasta que él vio lo prometido. How many of you can say tonight, God has spoken? Now, do you believe that? Would you believe that with your heart? ¿Usted cree eso? Dios ha hablado. Y yo me regocijaré. I'm going to rejoice in what God has said. How many of you rejoice in what God has spoken over your life? I, I need you to agree with me tonight. How many of you rejoice over what God has spoken over your life? All right, well, tonight I want to get to the rest of the story. As I think it was uh, Harvey that used to say that, right? And not Hurricane Harvey, but uh, Paul Harvey, I think. Now this was the rest of the story. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David. Did you hear that? What did I say? What did I read? Then all the tribes of Israel came to David. Someone ought to say amen. amen. Dice el Salmo, y todas las tribus de Israel vinieron a David. I'm not even done reading yet, but I just have to celebrate that because God is speaking to us right there. So that one day you're going to be able to say, and all the promises of God came to me. Usted va a poder decir, todas las promesas de Dios vinieron a mí. Is there a church in here tonight or not? I can't see because there's some bright lights up here keeping me from seeing. But is there a church in here tonight? Yes. 
I said, you're going to be able to say all the promises of God came to me. Usted va a poder decir, todas las promesas de Dios se cumplieron en mí. Now, if you don't believe that, don't worry about the rest of this message because you're not going to need it. But if you believe that, you got to bite, bite that steak hard, all right? Because this is your steak. This is God's word. All the tribes. Last week, they were just, just Judah wanted to follow David. But this week, we see that all the tribes of Israel came to David. They came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, you are bone of our bone, and, and we are your flesh. Previously, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who let Israel out and in. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will be a ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron, and the king David made a covenant with them before the Lord at Hebron. Then they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that we have this precious promise in your word, that every word of God is tested. What you speak, you will fulfill to our hearts. I pray tonight that as we go to the volume of this book, that you will speak to our hearts and make the Logos Rhema, that we might receive it by faith and put it to work in our lives. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. 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 Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron. It is worth waiting, isn't it? When you and I do the final analysis and you look at people who quit believing and you look at people who kept believing, you will discover that it was worth it to keep on believing. That it will be worth it to believe God. God, the Bible says, I quoted you last week, tell you again, is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. What God has spoken, God will do. And what we see in the life of David, last week we looked at the life of David from the perspective of David as a believer waiting and trusting on God's promises. Tonight we're going to look at this passage on a little bit different. We're going to look at David as a type of the Lord Jesus Christ because the Bible gives us David as a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is really the giant slayer. David slew Goliath, but, David, but Jesus slew sin, and he slew death. And so David is a picture of what Christ is. David was a shadow of who the person and work of Christ would be. And Jesus is called a, um, a child or a son of David. He comes in the lineage of David and he's going to sit on the throne of David forever, the Bible says. And so David is not only a picture of the believer, 
But he is also a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want to share with you tonight are four revelations that come to us um, about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Four things happen in your life when you submit to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Esta noche vamos a ver la vida de David como un retrato de la persona de nuestro Señor Jesucristo que en la Biblia llama el Hijo de David, el cual uh, dice la Escritura que Jesús se sentará sobre el trono de David para siempre. Entonces David es un retrato en el Antiguo Testamento de lo que Jesús es y lo que Jesús sería para nosotros. Y aquí vemos cuatro cosas que ocurren en la vida de una, una persona que se ha sujetado a la autoridad de nuestro Señor Jesucristo. When you and I submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, blessing is sure to follow. Cuando usted se sujeta al Señorío del Señor Jesucristo, usted va a ver la bendición de Dios. Now, I mentioned it on Sunday, but I want to mention it again, that whatever area of your life you don't give Lordship to Jesus in, he can't bless that area of your life. Cualquier área de tu vida donde tú no le des señorío a Jesús, él no puede bendecir esa área de tu vida. You know there are some some Christians who are not walking in blessing because they have not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There are churches that God won't bless because although they have the name church, the Lord of the church is not the Lord Jesus Christ. It's people, it's ideas, it's traditions. And God says, I can't bless what, is, what I'm not Lord over. So if you want to have the full blessing of God, you need to have the full lordship of Jesus Christ. When the nations or when the tribes of Israel come and they submit to the kingship of David, they find themselves uh, they, they make four confessions. They said four things about David. And these four things let us know that these four blessings follow those people who submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. So I want to begin tonight by asking you a simple question. Have you submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ? ¿Usted se ha sujetado, sí o no, a la autoridad del Señor Jesucristo en su vida? Then there are four revelations that God wants you to have, four things He wants you to know that belong to you as a child of God. Let's go through them. Number one, the Bible says in verse one of the chapter, Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. The tribes came to David and they said to him, David, we are your family. Here's what I want you to understand, friend. When you and I come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, this is the first and the greatest revelation that you and I can have about God, is that you and I are now related to God as family. Somebody say amen. Cuando usted y yo venemos bajo el señorío del Señor Jesucristo, vamos a decir lo que dijeron ellos. Dijeron a David, somos tu hueso y tu carne. En otras palabras, Palabras, ellos estaban diciendo, somos tu familia. 
Now, this is an Old Testament revelation, but it gets even better in the New Testament because in the Old Testament, they were saying we are related to you. But in the New Testament, the Bible doesn't say we are related. The Bible says that we have been given the spirit of adoption. We have been called the sons of God. Say amen, somebody. So you and I have to walk in the glorious revelation of this fact that we have been called the sons of God. Say, I am a child of God. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that entails? Usted esta noche puede decir, no solamente soy familiar de Dios, pero puede decir, soy hijo de Dios. You know, there's a difference between being a cousin and being a son, right? Sabe usted que hay una diferencia entre ser primo y ser hijo. Yo no quiero ser primo de Dios. I don't want to be God's cousin. Cousins don't get anything in the will. Los primos no le dan nada en la herencia. Who gets, a, who gets an inheritance? It's the sons. The children, ¿quiénes son los que reciben la herencia? Son los hijos. Go with me to Galatians chapter 4. Va conmigo a Galatas, el capítulo 4 de Galatas. I want to read something to you. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Galatas capítulo 4, verso 4. It says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law. So that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. You and I have been adopted into the family of God. You know that this is a very special privilege. Uh, all of you who are parents in here, you know this, that uh, you didn't get to choose your kids, right? They came to you um, by natural order. Right, uh, the doctor delivered the child. You didn't get to pick which child he delivered. But if you were adopted, or if you adopted a child, you went and you had a choice. You had the opportunity to decide: I want a boy, I want a girl, and so on and so forth. And the Bible said that you and I have been adopted into God's family. Ustedes y yo hemos sido adoptados en la familia de Dios. Dios nos escogió a nosotros. Un hijo naturalmente nacido no se escoge, pero un hijo adoptivo es escogido. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesús dijo, ustedes no me escogieron a mí, yo los escogí a ustedes. I don't know about you, but I have a smile on my face tonight because I have been chosen by God. Yo he sido escogido por Dios. So, you know, next time that liar the devil comes around and says, God doesn't want you. God doesn't care about you. God doesn't have any time for you. Why would he listen to you? Look at what you've done. Look at your attitude. Look at the kind of mistakes you made. You just tell him, devil, I don't care what you have to say. He chose me. He picked me. He knew who I was and he picked me anyway. Come on, somebody. He chose you. Él te escogió sabiendo quiénes eranos. You know, he picked you, and he knew you. Some of you picked somebody to marry you didn't know, right? And then you found out who they really were. But God knew who you were. He knew who I was. 
Sometimes I go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, am, I have failed in this area. I'm sorry. And he, and he kind of talks to me like, you think I didn't know this was coming? Come on, he chose you. The Bible says from before the foundation of the world. And you have become an adopted son of God. You have been given the spirit of adoption. We keep reading here in Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. It says, so that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons, because you are sons. Say that, because I'm a son. Now, I have to clarify, the Bible never calls us daughters of God. Okay, sorry, ladies, but he never calls you a daughter. And I don't want you to be offended by that, okay? God calls you a son. Can you live with that? You, you got to ask why. Why? Why doesn't God call his daughter's daughter? He calls his daughter's son. Why? Because in the ancient uh, world, daughters did not receive an inheritance. Because a daughter got married, she became a part of another family, another inheritance. The daughters didn't get inheritances. Only sons got inheritances. So God doesn't call his daughters daughters. He calls them sons. He's saying to all the ladies in here, I'm not giving you second degree rights. You've got the same rights as your brothers. You are a son of God. You have a full inheritance. Say amen, hermanas. So all of us, he says, because you are sons. Notice the word, because. It doesn't say, if you're a son. But because you're a son. He has taken for granted that this sonship, this adoption has taken place. El aquí en Galatas 4, 6 dice, porque eres hijo. Esa palabra, porque eres hijo, no dice, si eres hijo, si llegas a ser hijo, si vas a ser hijo, sino porque ya has sido logrado, has sido declarado como hijo. Es un estado legal. This is a legal status. Because you are a son. Therefore, because this is true, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. God has put his DNA into us as his son. Dios ha puesto su naturaleza en nosotros como hijos. Now, you know, when a, a parent adopts a child, they cannot impart their DNA to that child. Naturally. Cuando una pareja adopta un hijo, ellos no pueden impartir su, su naturaleza a ese hijo. But God can. Pero Dios sí lo puede hacer. How did God impart his DNA to us? ¿Cómo es que Dios ha impartido su naturaleza hacia nosotros? What did he do? He sent the Holy Spirit. Él envió al Espíritu Santo. So that now, within us is living the very nature of God. Ahora dentro de nosotros está viviendo la misma naturaleza de Dios. Come on, somebody. You have been indwelled by the Holy Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit that gives you, the Bible says, a witness that you are a child of God. Dice la palabra que el Espíritu Santo nos da testimonio a nuestro Espíritu que somos hijos de Dios. How many of you in here can say, I know that I know that I know. In my spirit, I know that I am a child of God. 
Come on. Calling God Father is not hard for you because the Holy Spirit inside of you bears witness that God is your Father because you have been adopted into the, into the family of God. El Espíritu Santo dentro de usted da testimonio. Now, if today you don't have the witness of the Holy Spirit that says, I, I don't know if I'm a child of God. I don't know if I've been saved. I don't know if I have it right. Friend, I want you to know that you know that you know. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life and save you and transform you and change you. Because when the Holy Spirit has moved in, you will know Amen. that you're a child of God. And the enemy will try to contradict that, but the spirit within you cries out, God is my father. Verse 7, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Dice uh, el verso 7, ahora ya no sois esclavos, sino hijo. Isn't this interesting that God compares being his child as being his son and those who are not his children live as slaves. Los que no son hijos viven como esclavos. Now this is why I told you that this is a revelation. I want you to understand this fact tonight. That many Christians live as though they were a slave, although they are a son. Muchos cristianos viven como esclavo y no como hijos. And there's a big difference between being a slave and being a son, isn't there? Hay una gran diferencia en ser hijo y ser esclavo. The slave thinks that his entire relationship with the, with the master is through his works, through his accomplishment. El esclavo tiene una relación hacia su maestro que es a través de las obras, de sus uh, uh, logros, de las cosas que ha hecho, pero un hijo... Entiende que él está relacionado con el Padre, no por lo que ha hecho, sino por lo que es. A son understands my relationship to God is not through what I've done, but it is through what has been done for me through his son Jesus Christ. Therefore, uh, my relationship with God is not that of a slave trying to earn the master's approval, but it is that of a son who knows I already have the, the father's approval. He is smiling on my life. Un hijo sabe que el padre está sonriendo sobre mi vida. And so, you know, there's a difference. The Bible tells us the nation of Israel, they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. So, you know, when they came out of Egypt, the only way they knew how to relate to God was like a slave to their master. And so whenever they got into trouble, they did not know how to relate to God as their father. Rather, they related to God as a master. And when they got into trouble, what would they start doing? Saying, it's hot here. We're going to die out here. We're going we're gonna, uh, to starve out here. We're thirsty. And don't you care? And, and these types of things were the ways that they were used to getting their master's attention by complaining and talking about how terrible 
trouble it was and and don't you care about us and could you give us a little mercy and could you just look our way but you know there is a difference when you know that God is your father you just walk right in and say daddy I'm thirsty do you have anything to drink and he says come unto me and drink all ye who are who, who are thirsty and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water come on somebody there is a big difference in being a child of God are there any children of God in here tonight we come to God not on the basis of complaining and and uh, and murmuring but on the basis of faith a slave hopes that there's something in the refrigerator a son knows that even if there's not anything in the refrigerator, we will get in the car and we will go and get something because my dad is going to take care of me. Say amen, somebody. We have received the spirit of adoption. They said to David, David, we are family. That revelation, friends, will change the way you pray. It will change the way you live. It will change the way you make decisions when you understand God is more than my master. God is my father. Now, let's move on because I could go there all night. But there's another one here. In, in, chapter, in verse 2 of 2 Samuel 5, we say that they come to him and they said, Previously, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and in. Now, this is an interesting statement because the king prior to David was King Saul. And they said this to David. This thing was true all along, but they didn't see it for a long time. All right? So don't get frustrated when people don't see all that God sees in you. Because sometimes God will just hide it. And just you and him will know that it's there. This thing was true all along. But they couldn't see it. What did they say to David? They said, David, Saul was king, but you were the leader. Interesting. They said, Saul was wearing the crown, but you had the anointing. You were the one that let us out and let us in. And every time you see that little phrase, let us out and let us in, it, it, it's a warfare phrase. That's why on Sunday morning when I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may, may he uh, cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and lift up his countenance over you and give you his peace. And I say, Lord, bless their going out and bless their coming in. I don't mean let them come back to church next Sunday for goodness sake, but I mean, Lord, bless them when they go to battle and let them live so they can come back. That's what that phrase means. He's blessed my going out and he blesses my coming in. It's a warfare phrase. They said, David, Saul was the king, but you were the one who was leading us to battle and you were the one bringing us back in. We, we couldn't see it then, but we didn't realize then that although he had the crown, you had the anointing. And this is the second revelation that you and I will have when we are submitted to the Lordship of Christ, we will have the revelation of the providence of God. Cuando usted y yo estamos sujetados a la autoridad de Dios, vamos a tener, número dos, la revelación de la providencia de Dios. Ellos dijeron, David, nos hemos dado cuenta que aunque Saúl era el rey, 
tú eras el líder Saúl tenía la corona pero tú tenías la unción se dieron cuenta que aunque no estaban sirviendo a David que la gracia de Dios estaba sobre ellos and this is really the greatest thing to realize church is this although they weren't under David's authority they still were under his blessing and that's what it is to have a revelation of the providence of God when you start to say you know what all those years that I wasn't even serving the Lord but he was blessing me anyway I could have died in that car wreck but he saved me I could have died of cancer but he healed me I wasn't even going to church I wasn't even serving the Lord I have no idea about God's grace but even though I was lost he was still protecting me and you get a revelation revelation of the providence of God and let me just say this friend if he blessed you when you were lost and sinful what do you think he's going to do now that you are his son walking under his blessing come on somebody he is in control of your life and he wants you to have a revelation of his providence what is the providence of God but that superintending hand of God things don't just happen God happens. Las cosas no nomás pasan. Es Dios el que hace las cosas en su providencia. God positioning you in the right place at the right time. The thing you thought was a setback was God keeping you in position for the next place that he wanted you to go. The thing you thought that was going to destroy you turned out to be a platform for God to promote you. The thing you thought would be your end turned into a doorway to a new beginning. Come on, somebody. You can look at it and say, God is in control of my life. They were saying, David, you weren't even our king. And God, and God was using you. God was, was giving us victory through you. When they saw the providence of God. <coughs> you know, there's a great blessing, a great peace that comes with knowing that God is in control. A lot of times we get out of peace because we forget that God is in control. You know what? People are going to do bad things and some people are going to make the wrong decisions, and there's some things we can't control in this life, but God is in control of all those things. And he says, look, those people may make the wrong decision. Those people might not, uh, may not do it the way that they ought to, but at the end of the day, I'm going to preserve you, and I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to bring you through, and I'm going to cause you to stand, and it won't matter what they said about you, and it won't matter what they thought about you, and it won't matter how they talked about you. Some of these tribes said, David will never be our king, but look at them now. They're coming, and they're bowing down and saying, long live King David. So you just watch God work. Say amen, somebody. Usted tiene solamente que ver a Dios trabajar y Él en su providencia. Aunque otros hagan el mal, aunque otros no, no entiendan, aunque otros no obedezcan a, a Dios, Dios va a preservar su propósito en tu vida. Dios va a preservar su propósito en tu vida. Let me tell you this, church. You're not going to die one day before you have fulfilled your purpose. Usted no va a morir ni un día antes que usted cumpla su propósito. Say amen, somebody. And when you have done the will of God, 
You have, you have walked with God. You will sit back and say, you know what? That, that was God who did that. God was superintending over my life. I thought I was alone. I thought it was a mistake, but it was really God working on my behalf. That's the second revelation. Number three, here in verse two, it says, And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will be ruler over Israel. Now, the old, uh, the old versions of the, of the Bible translate that word shepherd as you will feed my people. And for tonight, I want to use that translation feed because it really gives a better understanding of what this third revelation was. They came to David and said, You are going to feed us. They understood that David was their shepherd. That David was going to be God's shepherd over their life. And friend, when you and I come into submission to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you adopt the lordship of Jesus Christ over your life, you will come to this revelation sooner or later that God will feed you. Say, God will feed me. You know that we, we worry a lot, and there's, there's two things here that, that God wants to do. He wants to feed you spiritually, and he wants to feed you physically. We worry a lot about that second one, don't we? That physical food. We miss church, but we won't miss dinner, right? That's, I could do without a sermon, but I can't do without dinner. Well, God says, I'm going to be the one who feeds you. And this is a revelation of God's provision. When you come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, he wants you to know that he is the one who's going to provide for you. Esto ahora, ellos vienen y dicen, David, tú no vas a dar de comer, vas a ser nuestro pastor, vas a apacentarnos como ovejas. Ellos vienen bajo la revelación que usted y yo tenemos que tener del Señor Jesucristo, que Él es el que nos da de comer, Él es el que nos provee. Y aquí tenemos la revelación de la provisión. You know that God's provision is a revelation. La provisión de Dios es una revelación. You, you say, Pastor Isaac, you keep using this word revelation, and all I know is the book of Revelation. All right, so what does this word mean? Revelation is when God shows you something that you could not see unless he showed it to you. La revelación es cuando Dios te enseña algo que tú no puedes ver a menos que él te lo muestre. Que él te lo enseñe. You know, when Jesus taught, he taught so that people would not understand. That's literally what, the, what he said. They asked him, Lord, why are you teaching parables? He said, because I don't want the unbeliever to understand what I'm saying. And the believer, they're going to get a revelation. And they're going to see, oh, that's what he means. So there are some things that God will not show only his children. Hay cosas que Dios no le revela a todos, solamente a sus hijos. So you could, you could, uh, you, you could run, in, run into some people as I have who have read the Bible backwards and forwards and they know Bible and they know text and they know scripture and they don't have a revelation. Because they have not come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so all they know is the text, but they don't know the writer of the text. And so when, when you come under the lordship of Christ, he lets you see, hey, I'm a son of God. He lets you see, you know what, God is 
providentially in charge of my life. But this is another revelation that I want you to have and that God wants you to have, and that is a revelation of divine abundance, a revelation of provision. Go to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 33, by Jeremiah capítulo 33. If you read Jeremiah 33.3, we know this one for the most part. The church memorizes this one. Call upon me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. You've read that, right? Dice Jeremiah 33.3, clama a mí y yo te responderé y te enseñaré cosas grandes y dificultosas que tú no conoces. Now, in verse 6, we have a bit of that revelation. En el verso 6 tenemos parte de esa revelación. He says, Behold, I will bring to you health and healing, and I will heal them, and I will reveal to them an abundance of peace and truth. What does God say? He says, I have a revelation of, for them of my abundance. Dios dice aquí, yo tengo una revelación que yo quiero revelar a mi pueblo y esa revelación es de mi abundancia. Here is the difference. Believers who do not have a revelation of God's abundance do not believe that he can pay the light bill for next week. Lord, if you could just get the lights on for me, I would really thank you and I would love you and I would be in church every day of the year, right? That's, that's the person who does not have a revelation of abundance. But a person who has a revelation of abundance says, Lord, I want to be able to pay somebody else's light bill next month. No, no, Pastor, don't get carried away. This is, don't have anybody in here that would like to be able to be the miracle. Sometimes all we want is a miracle, but you know what? I want to be the miracle. I don't want to just be praying, Lord, let, let me get by. I want to be praying, Lord, let me be used to help somebody else to be a miracle in somebody else's life. It's the person who says, you know what? There is more where this came from. If God could, could get my light bill paid, he can help me to help pay someone else's. If God could get my rent paid, he can, pay, he can help me to help me pay somebody else's. I can be a blessing. I don't want to just be a recipient of blessing, but I want to be a blessing. A person who has a revelation of divine abundance can, can believe God for greater things and say, you know what? God's going to keep the lights on all year long in my house, and he's, gonna, he's going to feed me. He's going to provide for me. Come on, somebody. He's going to give me the word that I need when I need it. He's going to give me the, the food that I need when I need it and he's going to be my shepherd he said I will feed you this is a revelation this is a, an understanding about God that a lot of people miss out on because they have not they have not trusted God in this area of their life with their finances and so so long as you don't make him lord of your finances you can't have this understanding it's hard to believe it. But you know, the scripture says, come and buy without money and without price. And you say, Pastor Isaac, that sounds hard. Well, I know it sounds hard, but I watched my father do it several times. I watched him go into a negotiation for a building with no money. Several times, not just once. In fact, every time I ever... <laughs> 
Every time I ever saw my dad do anything, it was without money. And you would wonder, how did he just do that? And the people who made the deal were wondering the same thing. Like, what did I just do? I just signed a contract and gave this guy my building, and he hasn't given me a dollar down yet. He, but you know what he had? He had a revelation of God's abundance. And he would say it all the time, come and buy without money and without price. You know, when you and I get that understanding, we can say, you know what, Lord? Uh, this is my last $100, but you said to give it, I'm going to give it. Because there's another one in there somewhere. God's got more for me than I, than I can even imagine. He's got more for you than you can even imagine. Say amen, somebody. So they said, David, you are going to feed us. Now, I don't know about you, but that would make my knees knock a little bit if a whole nation came to me and said, you are going to feed us. But really, what they were understanding was that God had blessed David to such a degree that he was going to be led over them and be a blessing to them. And friends, if David could feed the nation of Israel, Jesus can feed the whole church. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry whether he can cover you. Jesus can cover you, friend. He already covered you at the cross. Jesús ya te cubrió en la cruz. Si David pudo darle de comer a toda la nación, usted y yo podemos tener esa confianza que Dios nos puede dar de comer a nosotros. I remember the story of the uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, one, one day they were, they were at the end of their finances and they were not able to make payroll. And they thought they were going to have to close the seminary down. And the president of the seminary asked the, the uh, men to come into the office. They knelt down on the floor and they began to pray. And this was his prayer. He said, Father, I pray that you will provide so that we can uh, let this seminary live and that you will provide them the necessary means for our payroll. He said, the Bible says that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. I pray that you will sell some of them and bring me the money. Just as he finished praying, someone knocked on the door of the office, and they opened the door. It was his secretary. She said, uh, uh, I think it was Dr. Pentecost. She said, Dr. Pentecost, I just got a phone call. A uh, rancher from West Texas says he just sold two train cars of cows and is bringing you the money. Come on, somebody. I said, he said he will feed you. Oh, you guys aren't, you, got, you don't get it tonight. Is there anybody here who has a revelation of the fact that God can feed you? He can meet every single need and do over and abundantly. Now, I'm running out of time, but they have one more here. Number four. Verse three. So all the elders of Israel came to David at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them. This is the fourth revelation that I want you to see tonight about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Is that when you have made Jesus Lord, you have entered into covenant with him. Cuando usted se ha uh, sujetado al Señorío de Cristo, usted ha entrado a un pacto con Dios. What's this word covenant? But it's a legal contract. Un pacto es un contrato legal. Do you know that you have a covenant with God? 
Usted tiene un pacto con Dios. Listen, church, God is a covenant keeper. Dios es un guardador de pactos. Listen, the old covenant, listen now because it's very important for you to understand. The old covenant was between Israel, between man and God. All right? And the old covenant failed. Not because God failed. But the Bible said that the, the old covenant was weak because it depended upon the flesh. It depended upon the people. And because the people were weak and the people were sinful and the people were unable to keep God's commands, then the covenant was broken. God kept his side of the covenant, but they couldn't keep theirs. So he gave them a promise in Jeremiah. He said, I will give you a new covenant. And now when Jesus came and Jesus died on the cross, our king, not David, but our king Jesus, he made a covenant. And now, friends, this covenant is between God and man. But it's between God and the man, Christ Jesus. And guess what? Jesus has kept the covenant without violation, unbroken. And that is why you and I are in covenant with God, because you and I are in Christ. And if we're in Christ, then his covenant stands before God. And it is a covenant of peace. And it is a covenant of blessing. And it is a covenant of provision. And it is a covenant of, of redemption. Come on, somebody. That covenant stands. And you and I are in covenant with God. So when you and I find ourselves in a place of difficulty, when our faith is challenged, I want you to run to the altar. I want you to run to the throne room of the king knowing he is my father. He is my provider. He is the providential hand that guides me. And I have a covenant with him. And his covenants endure. They are everlasting. Usted tiene que recordar que yo estoy en pacto con Dios. El Dios que guarda sus pactos no me va a fallar a mí. God will not break his covenants, church. Listen. What he promised, he will do. Lo que él ha prometido, él lo hará. So when you pray tonight, I want you to say, Lord, I'm in covenant with you. Your word says that you keep your covenants. I pray that you will keep your covenant to me. And let me see your hand of provision and your hand of providence and your father's hand over my life because I have some things in my life this week that need your attention. Not tomorrow, but right now I need you to intervene. And I'm coming to you not as a slave but as a son. Claiming the promise of your covenant. A covenant of peace. I'll tell you about it next time. But the, the covenant that David made with Israel said, Peace to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Come on, somebody. That's a good covenant. God says, Peace to you. That's your inner man. Peace to your house. That's the people that live with you. And peace to all that you have. Would you just stand with me tonight? Just lift your hands to heaven and just receive that promise tonight. Peace to you.
Come on, lift your hands and receive that tonight. God says, peace to you. Peace to your house. Peace to all that you have. Peace to you and your health. Peace in your mind. Peace in your, peace in your spirit. Peace in your inner man. Peace in your emotions. Peace to you. Peace to your house, your sons, your daughters, your granddaughters, your grandsons. Peace to your whole house. Peace to the prodigals. Peace to those who are wayward. Tonight we speak the peace of God. We speak their coming home in the name of Jesus. Peace to your whole house. Come on, claim your covenant promises tonight. Peace to all that you have. Pasa ti, pasa tu, tu hogar y pasa todo lo que tienes. Come on, be bold tonight. You have a revelation of God's abundance. You have a revelation of God's pro providence, of God's provision. Claim it by faith. You have come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. These things belong to you because you are his son. 